Grace and mercy and peace be unto you from our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We read in the Gospel according to St John, the 20th chapter, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. Heavenly Father, grant us a message for our hearts and grant us hearts for your message. Amen. I think all of you by now know that the uh, ladies are holding a retreat here this weekend under the theme, Beside Still Waters. Clearly that theme has come from the 23rd Psalm in which King David, the author of the psalm, acknowledges that the Lord is his shepherd and that among other things grants him the opportunity to rest beside still waters. Apparently, I'm told, sheep don't like drinking from running water. They prefer calm water which suggests that they prefer a uh, peaceful setting. So let's consider the peace which God provides for his flock, for you and for me. Surely one of the most meaningful words in our English language has got to be that word, peace. I wonder how many of you can remember when peace was declared, ending World War II back in 1945. Long time ago, wasn't it? Well, believe it or not, I was in grade one. And so I can remember peace being declared quite clearly. I can remember, for instance, my father, who was a pastor at Brinkworth, going next door to the church and ringing the church bell merrily. In the cities, people danced in the streets. You may have seen video clips of that. You may have even seen strange women, no, not strange men, women kissing strange men. Public holiday was declared. Thanksgiving services were held all over the country. Peace had come. Our next door neighbours were over the moon too because their two sons were serving in the AIF up in Papua New Guinea. And now they could come home. The horrors of the Kokoda Trail were past. They were safe and sound. They could, could, could come home again. Yes, peace. Perfect, precious peace. I don't have to tell you that the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, right? And it's used nearly 150 times in the Old Testament scriptures. Remember Helen Keller who was born blind and deaf? She remarked, I don't want the peace that passes understanding. I want the understanding that brings peace. And she found it, didn't she, in Christ. Now in our text for today, we come across Jesus pronouncing peace over his apostles. It's the day of his resurrection. The apostles are overjoyed to see their master alive and well. They've been hiding behind locked doors. Suddenly Jesus appears and the first thing he does, pronounces peace over them. So what is this peace? What is this precious gift which comes from God? What blessings was Christ bestowing on his apostles that day? The Hebrews understood 
shalom, or peace to mean, and I quote, harmony, completeness, wholeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility, end of quote. So the Jewish teachers declared, peace is the way things ought to be. In other words, everything in harmony with God, with nature, with one another. The Hebrews also taught that peace is another name for God and therefore this greeting had to be used respectfully. You dare not use it, for instance, in a public toilet or even in a bathroom. It's too holy. Now the scriptures reveal that Peace involves three special features, namely eternal peace, internal peace and external peace. And those are the three features we want to quickly have a look at. Surely the most important kind of peace for us human beings is eternal peace because it involves peace with God. You see this The scriptures teach us that there was a time when there was perfect peace. It existed for a short time after God created our first parents, Adam and Eve. They lived in a perfect place, with perfect bodies, doing perfect work, eating perfect food, living with a perfect God and being perfectly happy. Can you imagine that? What a beautiful state to be in. And they blew it. They fell into Satan's trap and failed God's test that he'd given them. So they became sinners. In Genesis 3 we read, The Lord God banished Adam from the Garden of Eden, with his wife, of course, which is another way of telling us that Adam and his wife could no longer enjoy the peace that they had once enjoyed with him, with each other, and with nature. And this condition terrible condition, dangerous condition was passed on to their descendants, to you and to me included. So in his letter to the Romans, Paul reminds us that because of our sinful condition, we actually were enemies of God. Can you think of anything more terrifying than that? Being an enemy of the almighty, holy, all-knowing God? However, It is God's will that his enemies become his friends. And to make that possible, he sent his one and only son into this world. So Paul tells us in his letter to the Colossians, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in his son and through him to reconcile to himself all things by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Can you... Appreciate that? This is telling us, Paul is telling us that Jesus actually became his father's enemy as our substitute in order to deal with our sin problem by dying on the cross. In this way, Jesus made it possible for us to become the friends of God, to enjoy peace with him. And friends, this is probably the most important sentence in the whole sermon this morning. The only way that we can enjoy peace with God is through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. There's no clearer teaching in the scriptures than that. What does Paul say? Since we have been justified, declared not guilty by faith, we have peace with God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace. You can't get it much clearer than that, can you? Paul is clearly telling us, if you want to enjoy peace with God, if you want God on your side, if you want God for you, first of all, you have got to trust in his son Jesus Christ as your sin bearer, as the one who made peace possible between the Father and you. Surely this is the most precious peace, as we said before. Peace with God again, after it had been lost by our first parents. Now once we possess peace with God, we enjoy internal peace, that is the peace of God. Many years ago I came across a very powerful illustration of this inner peace. Perhaps you have come across it too. In fact, I saw another version of it in the Lutheran Women magazine some time ago, this year I believe. An artist was commissioned to paint a scene depicting inner peace. He painted a bird's nest sitting precariously on the end of a bough over a raging waterfall while a violent thunderstorm is in progress. Danger everywhere. Thunder and lightning and rushing water. And what does the artist do? He then paints a picture of the mother bird in the nest, serenely, quietly going about feeding her three fledglings in a peace. This internal peace, the peace which cannot be overcome by the turmoil of life around us, is ours because Paul tells us, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. You know, I don't have to tell you, things will come into our life that we do not appreciate, which we don't understand or comprehend fully. They may bring us pain and grief and sorrow. But knowing, Paul says, that God is in control of our life and that he is going to use these things for your benefit, that gives us inner peace. With this in mind, a devout Christian, Thomas Watson, declared, If God be our God, he will give us peace in trouble. When there is a storm without, he will make peace within. The world can create trouble in peace. Just look at Palestine. But God can create peace in trouble. Once we enjoy peace with God and the peace of God, we're able to practice peace towards one another. We call this external peace, that is the peace outside of us. Remember Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes appealing to his followers? Live at peace. Be at peace with one another because blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. And someone has suggested that this is one of the hardest things for us Christians to do, to be peacemakers. Why? Because we have to swallow our sinful pride. We have to get off our roost. We have to turn the other cheek sometimes. We have to go the extra mile. We have to bite our tongue. We have to take a back seat sometimes. We have to learn to forgive. Abraham gives us a wonderful example of being a peacemaker. He and his nephew Lot lived together in the land of Canaan. By this time they had become wealthy men. They had lots of servants and herdsmen and cattle, you name it. And then one day Abraham heard 
that the herdsmen, his herdsmen, were fighting and arguing with Lot's herdsmen over the grazing land. And he approached Lot and he said to him, Let's not have any quarrelling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. In other words, for the sake of peace, Abraham offered Lot the first choice of grazing land. And you know which land he chose, don't you? The best. And you know who was blessed, don't you? Abraham. Because isn't that Jesus' promise to bless the peacemakers? Okay, so peace is a beautiful gift from God. We don't accomplish it or achieve it. God gives it to us. That peace refers to peace with God and the peace of God. That peace which becomes ours through faith in his son which enables us to remain secure in life's travels. And it also refers to making peace with our neighbour, even if he or she doesn't want it. So I encourage you to look for this word in your worship, the word peace. I don't think you pass the peace these days, do you? It used to be pretty common before COVID. It'll come back, I guess. You can remember doing it. What were you doing when you passed the peace to the person next to you? Your wife, your son, your daughter, a friend, a neighbour, stranger. What were you doing? With the various kinds of peace that we've been considering this morning, you're basically offering the person everything they need to be, remain and act as the people of God. It's quite a blessing, isn't it? Very meaningful. After the pastor has spoken the words of institution over the elements, he turns around to you and he says, the peace of the Lord be with you always. What's he doing? What's he wishing and praying for you? He's praying that you will come to the altar and receive the body and blood of Christ in a worthy manner so that you can receive the peace of God and peace with God through the forgiveness of your sins. And then at the end of the service, the pastor will turn to you and he will pronounce a blessing over you and he will finish with the words, the Lord look upon you with favour and give you peace. What kind of peace? The peace of sins forgiven. The peace of knowing that God is for you, even though you're a sinner. See why peace is such a precious concept, a word, blessing? You see... It places us beside the still waters of God's grace where we enjoy his presence, his power, his love, his security, his joy and his peace. And the peace of God which passes all human understanding keep our hearts and our minds always in Christ Jesus, his son, the Prince of Peace. Amen.